Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of On3 Sports. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in uh, Tupelo. be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Matherville. Wouldn't be a little weird. Mm. Matherville? Matherville. Tend to be kind of strange. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that. Wherever you are in our great state, you can enjoy Strange Brew Coffee each and every morning. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and place your order to be delivered right to your door. Don't forget, every single order you place at Strange Brew Coffee House, that benefits the Bulldog Initiative. As does any sales made with our other sponsor, Pip Printing and Signs. Guys, when you are looking for something to help promote your business, be it a, 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 a new sign on the front of the building trying to draw people in, or just marketing materials to keep your current customers up to date on what's going on with your business, PIP Printing and Signs is there for you. 30 years of experience helping businesses just like yours. And again, every sale you make with them, if you just tell them, hey, I heard about you on Thunder and Lightning. Hey, I heard you support heard you the support blog all you've got to do is say that, and boom, 10% of that sale goes right to the Bulldog Initiative. They are owned and operated by MSU people. Call my friend Camden Baker, 601-499-5216. Remember, guys, if you're a business owner, you already spend money on printing. Printing. So This isn't a new expense I'm asking you to take on. I'm asking you to change your business to PIP Printing and Signs, and in doing so, you can help the Bulldog Initiative. When you need printing and signs, call PIP PIP today. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. You know, we've been saying it for weeks, the Banner M, time to move on, time to time to get new stuff in the closet. So, head to College Corner and check out everything they've got, an incredible selection, two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're enriched by Fleet Feet or Flowed by the Half Shell, or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler is Starkville's flagship restaurant. And, folks, if you want to eat a great meal in the city of Starkville, you need to get a table at Restaurant Tyler. For lunch, for dinner, for Sunday brunch, the best meal in town can be found there. For lunch, it's just the best blue plate in the city of Starkville. Meat and three, the way it's supposed to be done. Fantastic selection of meats and vegetables. Great cornbread. I mean, you just can't go wrong. With, with making that choice for lunch. So somebody says today to you, hey, let's go to lunch. Where you want to go? You want to go to Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout Central Mississippi here to serve you. That means there's one near you if you live in Central Mississippi. So find that location, get, to, get over there, and build a relationship with a community bank that's going to benefit you for a long, long time. I like to do business with the people I know. I don't like to deal with big corporate chains. And I, I, you can do that when you have an account at... Priority One Bank. That way your financial decisions aren't left up to people you've never met. They're up to the people who know you and know what kind of person you are. 
Give them a call today. Check them out online, PriorityOneBank.com. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. You know, Robbie, first off, Robbie, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, you, you look fantastic. Eh. Okay. I don't know about uh, that. Oh, yeah. We are, you know, obviously this week, uh, every show is going to be Royal Rumble related. We're going to dive right into some... No, I'm just kidding. We will talk about the Royal Rumble, I'm sure, uh, this week. But I want to talk a little football today. And, you know, Blake Shapin commits to Mississippi State right out of the gate, very unexpectedly. Not, his name wasn't being thrown out by a lot of, of people. And ever since he's committed, I feel like he's become kind of a forgotten man. I, we're not really talking about Blake Shapin uh, very much. And, of course, his success or failure is what is going to drive Mississippi State in 2024. If he is a successful quarterback, then Mississippi State is going to be a team that will be back in a bowl game in 2024. If he struggles, then it's that then that will be a struggle for Mississippi State. And it got me looking, you know, at what year one has looked like for Jeff Lebby at the programs he's been the offensive coordinator for. Now, again, you know, I, I hate prefacing prefacing things, but we're going to do it anyway. That, you know, I understand that Kiffin and I understand that Heupel at Central Florida, those are guys who are, you know, those are play caller, offensive coordinator type head coaches. I get that. But let's not. I'm not going to minimize the impact that Jeff Levy had on those offenses because it's it's obvious. So looking at year one there in uh, at Central Florida, you know now granted, you know he took over that took over a great team. That team had gone 13 and 0 the year before, won a national championship. Shout out to Tom Ebel. And so you know Scott Frost leaves for the Nebraska job. So it's not like he came into a, a rebuild by any stretch of the imagination. He took over a good team. But he, but he kept them humming. They went 12-1 and one that first year. They averaged uh, 43 points per game. Mackenzie Milton was the quarterback. Obviously, he got hurt towards the end of the season. But when he was the starter, uh, in 10 games through for two, two, almost 2,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, only six picks, completed uh, 62% of his – I'm sorry, 59% of his passes. I don't know where he got 62 from. Uh, as a team, they averaged 523 yards of offense a game. Uh, they were very balanced. Is was one thing that I found kind of surprising, but maybe I shouldn't. You know, I, I I think I've I've sort of put myself in that same mindset that a lot of people have with Ole Miss in particular that you think that they're this wide open, throw it down the field every play offense, and in reality they're they're a really good running offense. The Central Florida team we're talking about twenty eighteen uh, rushed for two hundred and fifty uh, two hundred sixty six yards per game. Uh, really, and of course, you know, Mackenzie Milton as a mobile quarterback was part of that. He had 79 carries for almost 300, just over 300 yards. Just a really solid, good offensive team. But that was a good team. You know, not, I don't think that situation is is similar to what he's walking into with Mississippi State. But Ole Miss is, in my opinion, what 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 Kiffin and and Levy took over at Ole Miss in 2020. Very similar. You know, and, and in some ways worse than Mississippi State because you had uh, Ole Miss had gone through what four straight losing seasons or four straight seasons without a bowl. I know the NCAA was part of that. Um, coming off of a four and eight year, fired their head coach, and, and and offensively had just not been really good the year before. We talked about that earlier. They were in the eighties, I think, total offense. Year one of Ole Miss. <laughs> They averaged uh, 40, 39 points per game, 14th nationally. Um, Corral takes over as the starting quarterback. 
you know, at that, you got to remember the year before that he had been benched and and was sitting on the bench and 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 was behind Matt uh, John Rice Plumley. Had only thrown for fifteen hundred, you know, sixteen hundred yards total in his college career. His first year under uh, Lebian and Kiffin, he throws for thirty three hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns. He does throw fourteen picks, but we've talked we've we've talked about the anomaly that was that season more than once on the show. That eleven of his fourteen picks came in two games. So take those two games out, take out his outliers. I mean, it, it's 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 a pretty solid season for him. He's much better the next year. You know, he takes a, a a good step forward there. Again, throws for thirty three hundred yards, but only five picks to twenty touchdowns. In both years, he has big rushing numbers: six hundred fourteen yards uh, his senior year. And 506 the year before. Again, those teams were good running running the football. I'll, I'll also give you the Oklahoma numbers just just to keep that 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 trend alive. Now that team wasn't great offensively year one. Uh, they only averaged 30 points a game. Now I just want to point out to you, Robbie, 30 points a game would be a nine point per game jump for Mississippi State. So I think State would take 30 points per game. To, to be totally honest with you, uh, Gabriel came in. He was really good. Uh, threw for 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, six picks. Uh, they just, for whatever reason, and they ran the ball well, too. Eric Gray was their leading rusher, 1,366 yards. It feels like from a yardage standpoint, they were pretty good. They averaged 474 yards per game. That team was really bad defensively, too. Uh, they gave up... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I misread that, Robbie. They averaged 33 points per game. I was looking at their defense. Their defense gave up 30 points per game. Per game. They were 99th in the country. They were 33rd in scoring offense. And obviously, as we talked about last year, they took a big step forward again. They were f- fourth nationally in total uh, total offense, 42 points per game. Gabriel throws for 3,700 yards, 30 touchdowns. Those are the numbers. You know, the, 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 those are those are the numbers. I think Shapin fits into the idea of you know McKenzie Milton was a guy you knew was a good college quarterback. He wasn't going to be a pro quarterback. Smaller guy, made plays with his feet, really good quarterback. Corral was an unknown commodity at that point. You didn't really know what you had in Corral at Ole Miss. Gabriel had played well at Central Florida and it sort of continued that tradition there, but he he was able to elevate his game under Lebby and become one of college football's uh, best passers. So what about Blake Shapin in year one? Do you feel like he can match the kind of numbers that I've said here in these first few minutes? Well, uh, first of all, hello everyone. <laughs> I had a Brian lot got in. Through. I had a lot. Brian got in. Brian got in his words for the day. I'm done. Um, and also, I, I apologize if if uh, my ads were coming through the the speakers. You, you cannot open the ESPN page with that ads popping up and playing. Wow. And, yeah, and very loud. Mute the site. Well, I did. So, like, I muted the video, mm-hmm. it played the video, and then it muted it again. Mute the I mean, site. it played it and unmuted it again. You can, you can mute sites where they can't play audio. Well, I haven't done that, so that's my bad. That's not your fault. I don't blame you. Anyway... Speaking on Blake Shapin, I think initially when when everybody saw that he committed to Mississippi State, the first thought was who? And when you really dive into his to what he did at Baylor, mm-hmm. it was impressive. When he was playing, when he was in the game, he was really good. The issue that he had was staying healthy. He 
2021 came in there, provided a huge spark for them when Gary Bohannon went down, and it looked like he was going to be the guy the next season. And basically, I'm pretty sure that's why Gary Bohannon left. Remember, like, Bohannon was kind of a hot commodity Mm -hmm. there for a while. Mm -hmm. But Shapin just had a lot of – a, a lot of that it factor to him. You know, he was a guy that could escape the pocket, make plays for you with his feet, had a really good arm. And he looked really good. I think he even played in the in the Big 12 championship game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was really set up for a lot of success, but he has just had these injuries the last couple of years, especially last year. He had an MCL injury. I think on a couple of different occasions he's had concussions. That's kind of the big concern with him. But if he is healthy – this is a guy that helps you next year win games. I mean, I, I think that in year one in this kind of offense with the offensive line that it looks like Mississippi State's going to have, the wide receivers, kind of the pieces he's going to have around him, he's a guy that should be able to help you right away. Anybody that over the course of his career in the Power Five threw for over 5,500 yards and 36 touchdowns, I think he's going to do pretty well in an offense – like this, that is kind of a Big 12 offense, if we're looking at it. You know, UCF is a Big 12 offense, what Hypel was doing there. Obviously, what he was doing at Oklahoma last year fit perfectly for the Big 12. It's a quarterback-friendly, you know, big stat-filled offense. And I think that's what, you know, Blake Shapin could come in and help you kind of ease that transition a little bit because that's what you get now with the transfer portal is you can fill – holes and it doesn't have to be the steady rebuild like it used to you know like a mississippi state um forcing in a garrett schrader as a true freshman you know i don't think that unless there's an injury here um and you know hope to god that's not the case you're not going to have a situation where you're having to throw all that on on o'brien next year like or van buren you're going to have a guy that I, i don't know where that came from the Van Buren um, boys. Come on, man. You're going to have a guy that I think can come in next year and immediately help you. 64% completion percentage over his career. And that's coming in and out of the lineup, too. I mean, he he didn't get a chance. You know, 2022, I think he played pretty much all, all year, but he didn't get a chance for, like, multiple seasons to constantly be in there as their starting quarterback. So I'm really interested to see how he does in this offense and – I think he's going to be good. I really do. I mean, you look at his career, right? Obviously, you mentioned he takes over in 2021, leads them to a uh, to the Big 12 championship game, um, and through for complete 72 percent of his passes. His next year, he's the full time starter, plays the full 13 games, 63 percent completion rate, 18 to 10 touchdowns. Um, and then, you know, as the, the the last year at Baylor, again, the injuries catch up with him, but 62% completion, 13 to 3 on the touchdown. So he was what he was more efficient with the football um in, in, in his his final year at, at Baylor. Uh, you know how I love to talk about perception being reality. I think the perception when he committed that you remember, you know, Mississippi State was was hot after Dylan Gabriel. There was a talk that he was going to visit Mississippi State after he visited Oregon. And then Shapin commits, and then I think the next day, Gabriel commits to Oregon. I, if I, I think I have the timeline correct on that. I, I think that if Shapin waited a week, if he doesn't commit while state fans are still hot for Dylan Gabriel, 
that maybe it's looked at a little bit differently. I think people were just like, wait a minute, I thought we were getting Dylan Gabriel. What's what's going on here? You know, DJ Ungalangale is is still in the uh, the portal and and Cam Ward and all this. And those are the guys we need to be. I think if he just if he had waited another week and and I think it, it might have been better received. It was totally because everybody had their hearts set on a big name, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a guy that was that everybody was talking about. This came from out of left field, so nobody really knew Mississippi State was even interested in Blake Shapin, much less really knew who he was. I mean, the the college football fan that was keeping up with just about everybody knew it. We knew about it a little bit because we were following Sawyer Robertson and. You know, Robertson took over for him when he went down with the MCL. So, you know, we we knew about him a little bit, but none of us knew that Mississippi State was even interested in him. And all we really thought was it's going to be Dylan Gabriel, DJU, those kind of guys that Mississippi State's after, maybe Cam Ward, and it wasn't. So it was disappointing because fans just were expecting something better. Mm -hmm. But – at the end of the day, you got a guy that was a power five starter and would have been a power five starter for, you know, 25 games in a row or whatever it is, had he not been injured. He was clearly Baylor's guy. So the numbers, had he played in four more games, would have been close to 3,000 yards passing last year, probably close to 20-plus touchdowns to maybe, you know, six interceptions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Numbers would have been great. Yeah. And everybody would have been pumped. Um, and, you know, and I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have transferred. I, I don't know. But looking at his numbers, when you compare it to the amount of games he's played in and doing it against Power 5 teams, I mean, you should be excited about this guy if he can stay healthy. So year one – it feels like at some time, in some ways, it feels like I'm putting a, a, too much pressure on. But in other ways, this is kind of what college football is. And if you're a successful offense, you're going to have a quarterback around these numbers. And you know, we talked about last year with Rodgers and the Barbe offense that could he be around this number, and that would be a, a successful year. So, is three thousand your number for for Blake Shape in year one, assuming he stays healthy? Yeah, if he's healthy, got to be. You know that as, when you look at the offense and the numbers that that it, you know these guys put up uh, under Jeff Levy, I mean you got to expect that he's going to put up some good numbers. It, I'm I'm usually on the on board with there being kind of a transition year whenever you have, uh, you know the change the major changes in offenses and personnel and stuff. But Levy's been so good everywhere he's been in year one. I mean, it, it hasn't taken three years for his offenses to get off the ground. Right away, he's been able to be productive, score a lot of points. Even last year, whenever Oklahoma struggled, it wasn't really the offense that was the issue for them. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole Miss had a big transition. They were they were starting a guy that was the backup quarterback. You know, I mean, he, he fit that offense. It, they were lucky to have – had a guy like that in their offense with that kind of arm strength and mobility, but he had never run that kind of offense, and he was the number two guy. And in year one, they were one of the best offenses in the country. I don't know if Mississippi State can be one of the best offenses in the country, but I think they can put up a lot of numbers in in year one. I think this can be an offense that can 
uh, score some points against some good teams. So, uh, you know, I have faith that they could do that with Blake Shapin at quarterback. I always, always – I look at Ole Miss the uh, the first year, and I, I think, you know, what if Corral had transferred? What if he had just said, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just – I just want to get out of here. And they were stuck with John Rice Plumley. I mean, in this offense. I don't – at the same time, I don't know for a fact that it would have been unsuccessful because right, Plumley is such a good athlete. They might have found a way to make it work. It might have been more a little bit more of a running threat, but – I don't know, and again, I don't know that Shapen can be Corral. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that he has the same arm. I don't. I know he doesn't have the same arm strength. Corral is a freak when it comes to how far he can throw the football, uh, and I, I think Corral's probably a little bit better athlete. Um, the other question, of course, with this offense is, you know, do you have an Elijah Moore? And that's something we haven't talked about here. Is let's, you know, looking at these these stats from uh, from Central Florida, from 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 uh, Oklahoma, from Ole Miss, you know. Year one at at, at uh, Central Florida, they didn't really have a truly dominating wide receiver. They had a couple of guys. They had three guys above forty catches. Year one uh, at Central Florida, obviously year one at Ole Miss, you have Elijah Moore, who I, I feel like this is one of the most remarkable college football seasons in the SEC's history, and not enough people talk about it. But in eight games, he caught eighty six passes for eleven hundred and ninety three yards against all SEC opponents. That, that is, he, he was virtually like the only guy Corral was throwing to. Yeah. He, he was dumping it off to a couple other guys, but the yeah. numbers were drastically leaning towards so, Moore getting the catches. Moore caught 86 passes. Their second leading receivers were Kenny Yaboa and Jonathan Mingo tied with 27 catches. So basically <laughs> a 60-catch gap between the two of them. Year two at Ole Miss, when, when Moore was gone – you, that's when Dontario Drummond steps up. He had 76 catches. And then the next guy was Jerrion Ely, a, a running back with 32 catches. So, again, a 40-catch gap. So, at Ole Miss both years, he had that. they had one guy that kind of stood out above the rest. At Oklahoma in year one, uh, again, a little bit more balanced. They did have Marvin Mims, who caught over 1,000 yards, but 54 catches. And then they had four other guys, including a running back, who had uh, 33 catches or more. Um Next, the second year, last year at Oklahoma, uh, Drake Stoops is their leading receiver. 84 catches for 962 yards. I'm pretty sure State has a Drake Stoops on the team. I, I feel confident they can get that guy on the team. I don't know about the Elijah Moore. But then again, it gets kind of balanced. 38 catches and 27 catches. and four, There's a guy with 45 catches as well. So, so what, what you're going to see, it seems like the trend – it's not quite as as drastic as what we saw with the air raid, where like it looked like every single year the numbers were very similar. Yeah, you're going to have a guy that's far and away your best receiver, and then you're going to have a lot of other guys that are around the you know same numbers. Yeah, but that I mean that's kind of the case for most teams. There, there's unless a, you have a stud. there's usually a stud receiver, and then everybody else. Like there's like when you have a really good offense, you usually have one guy. I mean, look at Washington this year. They probably had that one guy. I haven't looked at their numbers, but he probably right. was like their was easily far and away their best guy, and then everybody else. Let's see if you're correct. You're thinking of Roma Dunzi, and that how you pronounce it? Pretty sure I'm right. I don't. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> What just happened there? All right, here we go. Uh, so he caught 
92 catches for 1,640 yards. That's stupid. Good Lord. The next guy down caught 69 passes. So Nice. So a, a gap of, what, 23 catches? And then you had a guy with 45, a guy with 46, and a guy with 34. Then the next one is Dylan Johnson with 24. So, I mean, gosh, they threw the ball 555 times this past year, 363 completions. Um, but, yeah, Anunzi is, is, is obviously the, the go-to guy in that offense. So, so with this state receiving core, with what Shapin has to work with in year one, is there a guy who can be a 60-70 catch guy, or is it going to be more of that you're going to have three or four guys around 40 catches? Well, I mean, the – the guy that stands out to me is probably Akari. Yeah. But I, you know, I thought last year that Freddie Roberson was going to have a way bigger role than he had and just didn't. So the transition is not always easy going mm-hmm. from group of five to the SEC or whatever. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to have a couple of guys there that could fill that role. You know, does Justin Robinson make a jump this year and become Mississippi State's number one guy? Um, I don't know. We, the spring, I think, is going to tell us a lot. I do like the fact that you're getting these receivers, these transfer guys in in the spring mm-hmm. as opposed to last year when a Freddie Roberson came in in the in the fall, like fairly late. Mm-hmm. I think that hurt him. Had, had he come in the spring, I think – you know, things would have been better. And also just the offense being what it was. Might have caught seven passes. Yeah, exactly. How many catches did he have this year? Do you know? I don't I don't remember. It yeah. wasn't many. He made a great catch against someone, Southern Miss. Yeah, I think that's correct, yeah. Touchdown. Roberson had 11 <clears throat> catches this year. Man. Uh, Jesus, these numbers are just... They just wasted. These numbers are so, disgusting to look at. Just, the the offense was so bad, man. Three hundred twenty eight yards a game. Ugh. Three hundred twenty eight yards a game. One hundred seventh. So, yeah, we so, really we really dressed that up like Joe Dirt. Like we, like we should have like that was Deer Tay. Yeah. Like we we our 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 statements on Kevin Barbe was Deer Tay. Yeah, it was rough. So state was. 107th last year total offense. And I'm sorry, scoring offense. And 68th, so close, in uh, in, in <laughs> scoring defense, right? It definitely, it definitely was so, not nice. I mean, again, you know, we, we keep hammering this point here, but let's say they take a 15-spot drop in defense, right? So they're 83rd instead of 68th, <laughs> right? But if they move from 108 to 35 on offense, that's going – I mean, that's a little bit more than balancing it out, I think. Well, here's the. This is why I was so adamant during that whole coaching search, mm-hmm. and even before you know the the whole thing happened. But state had to get an exciting offense. The hat because we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Mississippi State being ranked where they were in, in offense, if they were ranked there on defense, but their offense was in the top fifty. The team looks completely different, mm-hmm. completely different, right? Because it just doesn't defense just does not matter like it used to, and, and it, believe me, it still does. You, you still got to stop the other team from scoring, but it's so much more important to score points now. 
yeah. and have yeah. an exciting offense and put butts in the seats. People don't want to go see Iowa. P- people aren't clamoring to watch Iowa. They were clamoring this year just to see how bad their offense was. Mm-hmm. But that that's not what people are looking for. People are looking for the teams that are putting up 40 points a game that are lighting the scoreboard up. Nobody cares that you're in a 10-7 to ball game. Some of the greatest games of all time, 45-41, to 41, you know, 50-48. to 48. That's what people want to see. Yeah. And Mississippi State needs that badly. And if they do make a jump from the hundreds to the, the 40s or the 30s, mm-hmm. this team is going to be better, I promise you. Even if that offense is bad, I mean the defense is bad, this team's going to look better and be more appealing to you. So, if this team last year they averaged twenty one point uh, what did I have it twenty one point eight points per game, they lost four of their last five games last season. If they had just scored twenty eight points in each of those five four of those five games, right? If they scored in those last five games, if each game they had just scored twenty eight points, and by the way, twenty eight points per game, not great, would have been not good for fifty uh, ninth last year nationally. They win all of those games, though. They win yes. all of those games at 28 points per game. That's not a lot of points. And so they beat Ole Miss. You, you beat Auburn. You beat. They beat Auburn. You don't beat Texas A&M. Uh, you beat Southern, and you beat Ole Miss. But that game against Texas A&M looks way different if you oh, score yeah. 28 points. If you won 28, yeah. They like, don't. They don't score the points they did. I mean, at that point, everybody just kind of. Th- Thrown it in. Well, I mean, you got to remember, Ar- Arnett gets fired on Monday. I think everybody knew that that was the last dance at that point. So, so. and you're not. I mean, you're going three and out. You're you're throwing interceptions. I mean, the team, the game looks totally different. So for shaping year one, I think what we need to set as is like a baseline, a, pr- a parameter of, of expectation is somewhere between twenty seven hundred and three thousand passing yards, somewhere between twenty three and thirty touchdowns. And somewhere between eight and twelve interceptions. That if 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 his final numbers are in those parameters, state is in a ball. I feel pretty confident in saying that. It would be hard to imagine them not right. That so I mean I think that's reasonable for sure. I mean what what did Baylor do in twenty twenty two? Were they any good? Jeez, oh, you're making me work here. Baylor in 2022, they, they went to a bowl game. Uh, I'm pretty. I think they were. I think they finished six and seven uh, the year after uh, they went to the Sugar Bowl. They they took a step back. Uh, yeah, six and seven. Is that right? Yeah. And and he had you know he had almost 2,800 yards. Yeah, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I don't really you know I doubt he was the problem. Well, I mean, just looking at it defensively, they went from you know the the previous year they were tenth uh, in scoring defense. The next year they were 69th. Nice, and they, I mean, they lost. They gave up 36 to Oklahoma State and lost. They, lost, they gave up 43 to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They gave up 31 to Kansas State, and they scored three, but right. still, but still, um, and they were in the game against. TCU, they got 38 to Texas. So, yeah. It's, oh, the TCU game was that one that's had that crazy field goal at the end of it. Remember where they didn't have a timeout? Yes. To run everybody on the field? So, Baylor in 2021, when they win the Sugar Bowl, they averaged 31.6 points per game, 40th nationally. 
The next year they went six and seven, but they averaged 32 points per game, 39th nationally. The defense was the difference in, in 2022 for them. So, yeah. so shaping coming in, I feel like Mississippi State fans early on kind of I don't I don't know if 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 disappointment's the right word, but maybe it is. But I feel like State has got a, a, a capable, competent quarterback back there in a system that has it has never failed to deliver offense. Everywhere Lebby has been, offensively, they have taken big strides. With the, year one at Central Florida, they were able to maintain what they did the year before. Year two at Ole Miss, in a situation similar to Mississippi State, they were able to take a big step forward. Year one at Oklahoma, you got to remember, he's taking over for Lincoln Riley. They had just been in the college football playoff the year before. They took a step back, but this, they took a step back because A, they lost a ton of talent, and B, Defensively, they took a huge step back. Offensively, they were okay. They were great his second year in in, in Norman. So that's that's the template for Jeff Lebby. It has always been that way. We'll see if it continues to always be that way in Starkville. But I think Shapin in year one has the potential. Is he going to be an All-SEC quarterback? No. you know He's just not. There's too many guys in front of him. Uh, uh, Beck, Milrow, Ewers, Dart, um, Graham Mertz statistically had a fantastic year last year. I don't know that the Florida is going to be any good. Um, and then you just, you know, you look around. I mean, uh, Jackson Arnold, the five-star kid from Oklahoma, they're probably going to be throwing the football a lot there. You know, uh, uh, Brady Cook's back for another year. I mean, this is a good quarterback year in the conference this year. Um, and, of course, the, the five-star kid at Tennessee who played in their bowl game, who's another one whose name, name I'm not even going to try. A lot of good quarterbacks in the SEC this year, but I think Blake Shapin can be in that mix to be one of the better ones uh, in year one under Jeff Levy. Levy, in, in his first year, um, they were 13th in the country in yards, and they led the Big 12. That Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the, the guy... 10th in rushing, uh, 33 a game points. So, I mean, he, I mean that and that was a year, like you said... You just lost Caleb Williams, lost several other guys. Transitional year, new head coach. Mm-hmm. To do that was that's pretty pretty impressive. That's pretty fantastic. Especially when your defense isn't giving you anything. You know, they're not really good. I would, I would take top forty. Yeah. If his offense is top forty, it, I mean, he's been top ten just about every year. Yeah. If if he takes a step back and is just top forty next year, you should be thrilled. So, so, 40th nationally averaged 31 points per game last year. That was uh, TCU. They finished. What was their final record? I think they were. I think they missed. Not great. Year. But again, I, I want to see what they were defensively before I say anything. But 31 points per game, and if your defense can be between 60 and 90, you're probably in a ball game. Yeah, and then you just you just sort of go on from there. And again. You know that gives you that's such a wide range, right? What if this? What if the defense is fifty eighth? That's not a great defense, but fifty eighth, right? And what if the offense, that would be a that would be a major surprise for state fans. But then let's say at the, in that same scenario, let's say the offense is twenty third. Well, now we're talking about probably seven wins, right? Yeah, that would be a tremendous first year for Jeff Levy. So, I think like does he kind of dial it back on the? on the pace that they play, or does he just play his game? I think he's got to play his game. I, coaches, I, I, I can't – I think coaches have to dance with what brung them, all right? Yeah. They have, you have to be yourself. You have to call the games you want to call them, <clears throat> and you got to trust your defense to do what they got to do. 
And if they can't, well, then well, it's just going to be a long year because we're going to be out there. Call- I mean, just ask yourself this. Would, would Kiffin slow down? Did they slow down in year one at Ole Miss when they had the, war- the literal worst defense in the in the country? No. So I don't think they're going to slow down here either. It's hard for me to imagine State's defense being the worst. And yeah, like I, don't the cultures, it, I don't think it's going to be. No. The culture's too good here. I, I, I totally get the te- like they've lost a lot of experience and stuff, but you still have, to me, a better defense than Ole Miss had in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it would just be – it would be shocking if they were that bad. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <clears throat> All right, I don't think they're going to be good, but – No, no, but yeah, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think they're, they're going to be good enough to be in a bowl game in year one. That is, but this staff evidently this staff knows something we don't know about this roster. I agree. I, because how they're acting anyway. Well, I mean, well, because here's the thing: they're recruiting 2025 extremely hard on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So you know they're identifying some areas that they have to have guys for next year, for the future, whatever. They've just like stopped recruiting transfer guys mm-hmm. on defense. And did, did, is there a secret weapon in the in the room, or are they do they just feel really good about the young guys? They know something we don't apparently, or think they know something that we don't, mm-hmm. because there's been a billion secondary guys out there, and linebackers, and defensive linemen, and Mississippi State has gone after a kid from Memphis that redshirted. Two defensive linemen that, quite frankly, did not play that much. And then, I mean, you got Stone Blanton, who I think is going to help you. But other than that, I mean, they've gotten nothing out of the portal defensively. So either they're just like throwing up their hands and just forgetting about it or waiting till the spring, or they feel good about what they got. But other than that, I, I don't have an answer for what's, what's happened there in the defensive side. Yeah. yeah. We're going to see. There's been chances there to, to improve, and they just haven't. As long as we don't read anything about how Hutzler and, uh, and, and Barnes were laughing at practice because of how much talent there was, we should be okay. I don't want to see a replete of the John Blake, uh, Ron Cooper years. So. Oh, is that what is that, was that reported? I remember that being reported on on Gene's page back in the day that they said the coaches were walking around laughing at how much talent they had, and I was like, "It was funny, all right. It was funny." <laughs> we all laughed too until we cried. Yeah, yeah, it's a, tears of laughter is what those were. All right, let's move into the rest of the show. It's brought to you by our friends. When I was sitting there at the, at the Egg Bowl in 2003, I was laughing as well. Yeah, I was doing something. Good times. Let's move into the rest of the show. It's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind that beef, it's what's for dinner. Whatever you're cooking, scratch it. You're cooking beef. What? what you're like, oh, honey, we're going to do chicken this weekend. Wrong. Wrong answer. You're doing Mississippi pot roast this weekend. That's what you're doing. Oh, honey, I think we'll, uh, we'll uh, put some pork chops on the grill. Wrong answer. Putting steaks on the grill instead. Oh, honey, the kids want hot dogs. Nope, the kids want burgers. That's what the kids want. So, I'm not. I'm not saying it. I'm just telling you that's that's what that's what I've heard. That's what I'm reporting to you at this time. So, beef. It's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. 
Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find the smoked southern soul food that you are looking for. I say it all the time that it's it's just a great place to be on a, on a game day weekend. Just a short walk from campus, grab some food, enjoy yourself, and enjoy a great time. They got, they've got they been running some great specials lately, too, so make sure you check with your server when you get there, find out what's going on on special. But, I mean, if they don't have a special, who cares? Just get some wings, get some pork rind nacho, some pork rind nachos! And, uh... And, uh, yeah, make it happen for yourself. So enjoy it. Smoke Southern Soul Food every single time at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. Every business likes to promise it to you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems. They've been doing it for 49 years. That's the proof, right? You want to know for sure if a, a business takes care of its customers? How long have they been open? If we're talking about nearly a half century, then that's somebody that you can trust. If you need a new copier, a new printer, new computers, anything for technology, or your business, give them a call. And then if something goes wrong, and it will, you call them back and you're talking to the same people who made you the sale. No 1-800 numbers, no call centers, no no out-of-state technicians to make an appointment with. A lot of times they can take care of your problems the exact same day because they live here in Mississippi just like you. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue is the place to find the next polo or pullover you're going to buy to to show the world that you're a Mississippi State Bulldog. Great-looking, stylish polos with the logos that you want. No more Banner M. That's out of here. It's State Script. It's M over S. It's the interlocking MSU. If you haven't already, check out the Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. As we get closer and closer to opening day, you need a new pullover. You need to get one from the Rogue. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Let's move into a musical number. Robbie, one day you need to you need to break out the guitar and actually sing the Cretan song live here on the air. We need to make that happen. Let's do that. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, Jeremiah McLeod. Hey, I, I, I don't know if it's is a surprise commitment, the correct uh, thought process here. I, I don't know for sure. A, a name I was not overly familiar with from Gadsden County High School, which is in Havana, Florida. A six foot five, 285 pound uh, defensive lineman. Had a number of Power 5 offers from Arkansas, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Illinois, Louisville, Tennessee, Miami, Maryland. So some good offers. This kid sort of came off from from off the radar into the Mississippi State class of 25, Robbie. What what do you know about this? First of all, why why is Havana, Florida not in, like, Miami? Like the strong, like, Cuban. It's outside of Tallahassee. Huh. Let's see here. I figured it would be like a that would be a good place. Yeah. For like the, oh, yeah, the large right. Cuban population. Uh, maybe there's a large Cuban population there. I don't know. Also, when I saw I didn't I didn't realize he was from Florida until on Monday. I saw Gadsden and thought he was from Alabama. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot going on the there. South, man. The South. We love it. Um it, it was a little bit of a surprise just based on when he committed. 
because this is the guy that, you know, I've followed a little bit. You know, Paul is kind of the guy ingrained in recruiting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now that I'm back with him, I've really kind of caught up on a lot of stuff. And he visited, but everything Paul said was that, you know, he wasn't interested in <clears throat> making a commitment for a few weeks, but did want to make a decision, you know, by by the, you know, the spring. So he was getting kind of close to making the call. He came on this visit and really enjoyed it and decided to, to commit to Mississippi State. And this is a kid that has picked up a lot of offers lately. Tennessee, Miami have offered him. I think Maryland looks like a, a guy that's going to be a really good edge rusher. You know, maybe you can get a Deontay Anderson type impact or even better out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that came from the state of Florida. Yeah. I, I, I really like this kid. We haven't got him ranked yet, but there's a lot of guys in this class that haven't been ranked to this point. Just because not it's only do you not have him, ranked, early. nobody's got him ranked. He has nobody's got him ranked on on three twenty four seven rivals or ESPN. Yeah, it bees like that sometimes. I, I get it. I get it like that. So, so this class for Mississippi State twenty twenty five three commitments now: Jeremiah McLeod, AJ Rice, the linebacker. From Alabama, and of course, Camario Taylor, the quarterback uh, from Macon and Knoxville County, who uh, apparently his shadow weighs 210 pounds. That kid's huge. <laughs> He's a monster. I'll tell you one thing. And I, I, I was walking around the hump. I saw some of the recruits that were on campus uh, this past weekend. We had a chance to talk to was it Grant Jenkins? Is that his name? Kitchens. Kitchens. Yeah. Okay. These kids are monsters. Like. I understand. I'm not a super tall guy. I'm not even six foot. You're a tall guy. But these kids are just, they're huge. And I'm like, this kid's 17 years old, 16, 17 years old. And they already look like this. Like, it seems Grant like, Grant's not even a junior yet. Yeah. He's six foot eight. I, I, I mentioned that there was another kid that took a picture with Lebby. Lebby's six four. And this kid was a good two, three inches taller than him. Camario Taylor is taller than Lebby. He's massive. I mean, he's a quarterback. State is fine. I, I look, I don't know if they're going to commit, and I don't even know if they're going to pan out. I just know that, to, to quote a Yanceyism, they look good on the hoof, man. The, the state is getting some big kids to campus. Oh, so now you're taking quotes from Yancey. Look, I, I didn't have a better one. What do you want from me? Sometimes it's just got to be. Sometimes hey, Dad is like turning that. into Yancey. How dare you uh, say something like that? <laughs> Oh, I you. really like uh, the the start of this class, by the way. Yeah. Kamara Taylor and A.J. Rice is, I think, is a really good linebacker at Alabama. They need some early momentum. Last year, they didn't have it. You know, they didn't have anything going until they got in the middle of the summer, and they had like that one that two week span where they just they were rolling, and then nothing ever happened. They did. I think they did a little more consistency. A couple commits here, a couple here, a couple here, and then you build into the summer. Uh, into the camp scene where state always gets the most of its recruiting done. They're doing what we thought Arnett would do. Yeah. Like we, we kept talking about this is what Arnett's going to do. And it just was never transpiring. Right. And so we kept saying, well, you know, that's just the spring, let them get their spring football. Right. Summer's really going to heat up. And they did have that little run in summer. And that was literally it. Like they had that run for about, you know, couple weeks where mm-hmm. they had the three, four stars in a day, and then 
shortly after somewhere around there that Jimothy Lewis. And that was it. That's that's the only momentum that they got under Zach Arnett, like at any point. He closed fairly strong uh in his cl- in that first class, but you know, other than that, it just didn't get it. This staff's kind of put the gas pedal down on these high school recruits. Uh, they're out right now seeing kids. I just saw uh, Micah Jones tied in from Madison Central. The whole offensive staff is at Madison Central right now. So I think Levy genuinely loves recruiting. And judging by, you know, how he's got the staff involved, he, he knows what he's doing. It's, it seems to be a well-run operation. So we'll see what that translates into. You know, if he can be – I hate to – to bring this up, but if he can be what Joe Moorhead was in recruiting, mm-hmm. but translate that better on the field, state's going to be in good shape. I Joe Moorhead it. did a, I mean, we can say what we want to about Moorhead. Mm-hmm. He was a great recruiter. Yeah. He did a great job. So Joe tweeted something yesterday. Somebody tweeted, like, how, I think it was Colin Cowherd, like, how does Aiden Hutchinson go unblocked? Yeah. And so Joe had this long, detailed answer of how protections can change and blah, blah, blah. And I really wanted to tweet him like, yeah, but still, if if you if you scheme everything up and you're like, oh, wait a minute, we're not blocking Aiden Hutchinson, change the scheme. Change the play. Yeah, where, Audible, where's the chip? Can we get somebody like, to chip him? Can there, we get an extra tight end? Where the best pass rusher on the team isn't getting blocked. <laughs> I don't care what the, the the formations. I don't care what the matchups are. I, a hat on that guy has to be in the game plan every time. Correct. So yeah. I, I almost said I was like Joe. I know I don't. I know I know less about football than you. But come on, man. Well, a- after he said that, I watched Hutchinson more. Yeah. And there was like never a time where he's getting chipped. They got a double team. Like he was still, it was still one on one almost every time, and he was winning the one on one battles. So it's not like they just decided, okay, we're just going to take him out of the game plan completely, which right. they probably should have done. Uh, I don't know. I, I saw that like tweet Joe, too. It was man. like, well, don't don't try to explain Joe, this away. This is the same thing you tried to justify at Kentucky, leaving Greg, poor Greg Island out there on an island with a uh, oh, what was that guy's name? Yeah, he he went the um, first round of the NFL draft. Um, oh, what was his name? I can't remember. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah, just leaving him out there to pick the bones for four quarters. I mean, come on. So. That was the definition of insanity. That oh, game they kept doing the same thing over and over again. That that was the game where we said, "Okay, uh oh, something's not right." Yeah, yeah. So. But you know, the first three games was you know blowouts. We yeah. felt good about the direction. That game, we're like, "Wait a second. That's it. He doesn't know what he's doing out there. Yeah. All right, tomorrow's show. Uh, Rumblings. Get the questions in, and we will uh, we will answer them. Have a great Tuesday, guys. Back with you on Wednesday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. Mississippi Media Production.